In the past few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Hello and welcome to The Career Confidant. We're glad you're joining us here today. As you know, we spend our time here every week talking about the skills and resources that you need to take control of your own career. I've been seeing a lot in my my industry specifically about people wanting to start consultancies. There's a lot of articles going around on starting a side hustle and what does that look like and what does it mean? We did a show a long time ago, a while ago there about uh, side hustles and how to start a side hustle while keeping your, your day job. But what does that mean and how do you do that is one question. But then whenever these topics come up, I also see a lot of myths or kind of discouraging advice around starting your own business or starting a consultancy or starting a side hustle. And so I wanted to take some time today and dive into some of those myths. What is it that it takes to be successful in running your own business? What does it take to be a successful consultant or um, side hustle it in some way or maybe even launch out on your own and build your own coaching or consulting business. And of course, I'm going to stick to what I know, which is that type of business. I would imagine that some of these tips are going to apply to other types of businesses as well. But if you're thinking about doing something on your own, here are a few of the myths you might hear and how to think about it instead. So the first one is my pet peeve, pet peeve of all pet peeves, is when people say, take this assessment and it will tell you whether or not you can be a successful entrepreneur. Hooey, a bunch of hooey. No personality assessment is going to tell you what you can or can't do. Personality assessments are meant to help you understand how you might do things, what your style is, therefore helping you understand your strengths and weaknesses so that you can build on your strengths and manage your weaknesses. A good coach or someone who's helping you go through a personality assessment, that's the way they should deliver it. No assessment can tell you whether or not you would be a good entrepreneur. An assessment can tell you perhaps what type of entrepreneur you might be, what type of business might be a good fit for you. Um, I had a guest on a few years ago also from Fran Network, Franchise Network, and they have an assessment that helps people figure out what kind of business they might want to be or own that can have some value. It's all in the process, and really any assessment is an opportunity to start a conversation to try to dig deeper and understand what's going on behind that assessment and to use the outcomes, to use the insights to move yourself forward. So um, there's a strengths-based entrepreneurship assessment that you can take. I haven't taken it, but supposedly it tells you what your strengths are and what they would be in, in entrepreneurship. I like that because that's realistic. We all have strengths and weaknesses And being a good entrepreneur really means understanding what those strengths and weaknesses are and finding ways to 
maximize your strengths and use your strengths to manage your weaknesses. So the strengths-based approach isn't about ignoring weaknesses or pretending they don't exist. It's about focusing on your strengths first and really figuring out how to maximize those and use them in, in everything that you do. And then to use those strengths also to minimize your weaknesses, to understand how to control the um, impacts of those because you can't just ignore them, then they're going to get in the way. And that's, that's not really the point or the purpose. It's that you're maximizing your strengths, you're putting most of your focus there, and then you're using those strengths to minimize your weaknesses or manage them or however you want to say that. That makes you feel good. So if you are out there and you're thinking about, you know, would I be a good entrepreneur or not? Realize that there are many, many ways to be successful. There are many, many types of entrepreneurship. You don't have to do it anybody's way. And you don't have to be a certain type of personality to make it work. Certain types of personalities are going to be better at perhaps building a business where they're a manager versus being in a business where they're more independent or using a do, building a business around a product versus a service. It's going to be what motivates you, what drives you, why are you doing it, and what's the passion piece for you. Not everyone is necessarily passionate about the product or service that they deliver in their business. They might be passionate about a different part of the business and can still be immensely successful. I have a colleague um, that I know who's the owner of a Domino's dynasty, we'll say. He owns a lot of Domino's stores, not just in one state, in several different states. And I don't think that I would say he's passionate about pizza, but what he is passionate about is leadership. And that gentleman is an amazing leader. And he's incredibly humble. He'll tell you that his success is because he brings in one of my other colleagues who's a a leadership coach and has a history in the food business. And she's gone in and done some coaching for his team. And he gives her a lot of credit, which is part of how you can see he's such an excellent leader. He's wanting so much to develop his team and understand so much that the power of his success is his the strength of his team that he brings someone else in to do it right and he's super super successful um even in a very high turnover very low margin business because of his business acumen and the way that he's been able to put the pieces together to buy all of the stores that he has and because of his passion for leadership and passion for developing other people. So it doesn't have to be the product or service that you deliver. People are in business and they're successful in business for a lot of different reasons. So I would say that was our second myth is that you have to be passionate about something specific different passions drive business success for different reasons. What you do need to know is know your why, know why you want to do it and what is going to be driving you. So no specific personality type that you have to have. It's know your strengths, know what makes you good at what you do, know what you're going to be driving in the business. And then You don't have to be passionate about one certain thing, about the product, about the service, et cetera. That's one type of 
of business, but there's a lot of other types of businesses and types of leaders who succeed in business for different reasons, for different passions that they bring. The third myth is that you have to take a big risk, that going out on your own is a big risk, or that sometimes this myth might be shared is that, you know, you're going to be giving up your job security or that it's less secure, it's more risky, whatever language might be out there around this. Not necessarily. A lot of my colleagues start their business while they're working full time and they do it on the nights and weekends. And it's not a risk, it's a sacrifice. So they are sacrificing their free time. They're sacrificing, they're busting it on the, on the off time, right? They're busting it outside of work time. And they are building something for themselves, which sometimes works out. And of course, sometimes it doesn't, but it's not as much of a risk when you do it that way. Other ways to minimize some of the risk the the way that I built my business. So when I started my business, I had been working at the university, but I really hadn't been trying to build my business while I was working at the university and getting my master's degree and I had a lot going on. So when I figured out that, hey, you know, career coaching, resume writing is something people do as a business, I was just about done at the university anyways. And so I left the university when I really didn't have much of a practice, but I contracted, I subcontracted, I worked for other people in this business. I coached for other people's clients. I wrote resumes for other people. I think there was a period of time where I was probably writing more than one resume a day because I was subcontracting for so many different people and I just needed to make enough money to pay bills, right? The financial security was very important to me and paying paying my own way has always been really important to me. I put the pieces together you know, people have heard me tell this story before. I say that I earned more my first year after I left the university than I did when I was there. That one wasn't that challenging because I was in a an administrative student support kind of position, which unfortunately they're not very high paid at, at a university. And because I was subcontracting and working my little tail to the bone, which we can't do forever, right? But most entrepreneurs at some point have that period of sacrifice. It's not necessarily a risk, but it's a sacrifice. So here's our next really important myth that you can make $100,000 on, what is it, the five-hour work week? Is that the book? One, that's not the premise behind the book. It's just a flashy title. And two, no, it's not going to happen. That's not the way it works. Everybody I know who's in business for themselves, whether it's a consultant development business. Um, You know, I've got family and friends who sell products, Mary Kay, Rodan and Fields. Every single one of them works their little tail off, at least for the first few years before they're successful. Then, yes, perhaps they're making money while they sleep and their business is running, and they've got things where they don't have to work as many hours, although many of them continue to do so for a while because it's it's something that takes transitioning out of, just like you built into it. 
you are not going to be rich on working five hours a week. If you find out how to do that, please share with me. Uh, realistically, I, I don't know anyone for whom that has been true. However, you can be successful. You can make money. You can have a business in many different types of work. If you're willing to do the sacrifice to figure out what your strengths are and know your why and your motivation, you put those pieces together, you work hard, work your little tail off for a couple of years, and guess what? You will either be successful at that or find something else that you can be successful at because that's one of the other pieces that happens when you go into businesses. You find other opportunities. You find ways to shift and move even if that first opportunity doesn't pan out the way that you'd like it to go. So those are a few of the myths that I hear around being successful in launching a business. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about a few more. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. You hear about it all the time. Compromises, destructive malware, major breaches. You can't turn on the news without hearing about the latest cyber event. Learn more about cybersecurity, how it has become one of the most significant threats to our national security, and the battle experts undergo every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Task Force 7 Radio with host George Ritas is the voice of cybersecurity around the world. Tune in live every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at astrategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Hello, and welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we're talking about how to be successful in business. How do you succeed and going out on your own, and what does that look like? And we're talking about it and the context of myths, things that you hear people say that may or may not be true, or maybe true in part, or maybe true for a season of your business, but not necessarily the whole time or when you first start. So we talked about that there isn't one type. You're not going to take an assessment that tells you whether or not you can be a successful entrepreneur, that you don't necessarily have to take big risks. There are ways to do it 
differently, either starting while you work or contracting to build up your clientele. And those those are going to take sacrifices, not necessarily risks, although there is some risk involved. My CPA always calls me the reluctant entrepreneur, or maybe you'd call me the over, overly analytical entrepreneur. But I don't ever think of what I did as taking a risk, because really quickly in my business, I had enough of a network, really, that if something had gone wrong and I didn't have any business, I could have reached out to three or four people and done some work for them. Now, if the business had completely disappeared and they didn't have any business either, I might have been in trouble. That's pretty far-fetched just given what we do and the amount of establishment that their businesses had. So that network is also piece of not feeling like it was a risk. And I knew that I could reach out to them and have some work, maybe not ideal work, and it wouldn't pay as much as, you know, I'd, I'd like to make per hour writing resumes or coaching, but it was going to be there and it wouldn't take me much to get that business. This is one of the things that always bugs me when I talk to people who work in the corporate world because they define stability as that company paying them a paycheck when truly that is more unstable than being an entrepreneur because that person has all the control. Your employer could lay you off tomorrow and unless you also have a good network, you'll be unemployed and unemployed for an amount of time until someone else hires you. Whereas when I had all that contracting going and in my early days, especially I had so many different people that if one person didn't have business for me, I could reach out to other people and sometimes it balanced out. Sometimes it was a flood and I have too many things to do. And, and that was the challenging part. That was the balance. Never really felt like a risk. Then we talked about that you don't have to be passionate about something in particular. There are people who run pizza franchises, like my friend Jay. There are people who run dry cleaning shops. They may or may not be passionate about what they do. My guess is if they like what they do and they're successful at it, they probably like some aspect of it. Maybe the money and making sure they're keeping track of all the money. Maybe they like the people and the management and the leadership. It's going to differ for everyone. And you just have to know where your sweet spot is, what your why is, so that you can do it the way that you want to do it and take the aspect of the business that you want to take and run with it. Last one we talked about was that you, the myth that you can make a million dollars in a five-hour work week. Haven't seen it. Most people work really hard to get to where they are. I know people making multi six figures, so you know, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars a year in lots of different business venues, and most of them work their little tails off for five years at the least before they got to that point. So well, that leads to this next myth. And I'm reading so many articles about this lately that you have to know what to say no to, that being successful is all about saying no. 
what you miss if you just read the headline and sometimes if you read the whole article because the person that's writing it may not see this the same way that I do reason that saying no and knowing what to say no to is so important is so that you have the freedom the open space and the sanity to say yes to opportunities when they come up. Being successful as an entrepreneur isn't about saying no. And if you read the headlines, that's what you might think. But being successful is about knowing what to say no to so that then you can say yes to the right things because it's the yeses that open doors. It's not the no's. The no's open doors because then they have space for the yeses. That piece of it, when I read those articles, I feel like it gets missed. So yes, you have to learn what to say no to. And that's going to take some time. Part of the reason you're going to work your little tail off for the first five years is that you have to learn what to say no to. And you can get some of that from other people, but some of it's just necessary. So I have a friend that started a business in you know, five years after, maybe three years after another person in the same business. And the person who started earlier was telling the newbie, you know, oh, don't go do free events. Don't go to trade shows. Don't go do those things. They're a waste of time. Well, yes, when you've been in the business three years and you have a clientele base built up, it's easy to say that those things are a waste of time. But when you're just starting, there's the opportunity that that comes that comes there there's also the confidence you build in talking about what you do there's figuring out who's your customer and who's not what do they look like what don't they look like what draws them in what doesn't there's some of that that you get at a trade show that you either have to take a long time talking to people one-on-one to get or you don't get And yes, it may be more money than it's really worth, and it may not be the most efficient way, but that doesn't mean that the newbie shouldn't do it. There's good lessons there. There's things to to gain from it. It's knowing the cost and benefits, making sure they're not spending too much time and money there, and making sure that they reap all of the possible benefits from it as, as they're there and as they leave that that experience. So when someone who's more experienced in the business tells you, oh, don't do that, or oh, I can't believe you're wasting your time doing this, or like in my business, a career coaching world, um, I'll hear experienced folks tell newbies, oh, don't do free consultations. Well, free consultations do all of those things that I was just talking about, help you figure out who your customer is, what questions you should ask, what the pain points are, and help you build good rapport. There were many times when I first started my practice that someone would call me and they'd say, oh, I got your name from Dave. And I'd say, oh, you know, how'd you get my information from Dave? Oh, he said that you are so great to talk to. Well, what they didn't know and I didn't really spell out was that I never did business with Dave. Dave didn't buy anything from me. We had a free consultation. He got a job too quickly. He decided to do it himself. He got something else, whatever. But he had such a good feeling from just that 30-minute conversation that he referred 
someone else to me for business. So that free consultation, 30 minutes of talking to someone, then led to a referral and business, 30 minutes worth of my time to land a new contract. It's not really that bad, especially when I'm starting out. So if I'm keeping track of where things come from and how much time and and effort it takes to get those leads to a point, don't waste too much of your time and energy there. If you understand in general how much time and money it costs you to get a client, then you can figure out what's working, what's not working as you go. But it's going to take some time to figure that out. And it's okay to be a little unfocused, to do a few different things, um, to try things out while you're starting out. And don't feel bad about that. It doesn't mean that you're not going to be successful. It doesn't mean that you're um, wasting your time. You decide what makes something worthwhile and you get the lessons that you can out of each and everything that you do, then it'll be worth your while. One of the other myths is that you have to have experience in X. So I hear this from people similarly to, you know, don't, don't do that. That's not how you get here. There are so many ways to get everywhere. If you want to be a consultant, the best way is going to be to focus on your area of expertise. So I talked to a person once who wanted to do in a consulting and she had a background in education and she said, you know, I really don't know what I want to do consulting in. I just want to be a consultant. Okay. Uh, If I was going to coach her, we'd dive a little deeper into the why and figure out what was driving that and What did that look like in her mind? Consultant can be a lot of different things and look very different in different venues. What we did talk about was what was her area of expertise? Some people will say, you know, what's your genius? What's your area of genius? As a consultant, maybe more important that it's your area of experience. So she had experience in educational settings in nonprofits leadership a little bit, program development. And that's where it would make the most sense for her to start her consultancy. Does that mean that she can't consult in HR? No, that's probably just not where she's going to start. It's not what she's going to sell first because people are going to say, well, what's your HR experience? And she's going to say, I don't have any. Once she's a consultant and once she's consulting, she'll see some of those issues. She'll deal with some of those issues And she'll have some stories and clients that she can share where she's helped with some of those issues or peripheral enough that she could dive into that area and that experience. If she's got some training in the HR world, she might be able to make that transition faster. As a consultant, most people want you to have some kind of experience in what you do before you get into it. In coaching, I have found that to be true sometimes, and and you always want to pick your area of expertise. So when I first started coaching, I shied away from leadership coaching a little bit. You know, I, I wasn't a leader. Sure, I'd managed people before, but I wasn't a corporate leader before in my career. I worked at the university, worked in nonprofits. And so I kind of shied away from that and, you know, young 
who wants to listen to a 26-year-old tell them what they should do with their leadership. Then I learned a little bit about coaching and that it wasn't telling people what they should do anyways. And an expert in coaching needs to have expertise in the areas that they're coaching in. And you can get that in a lot of different ways. Now I've coached a lot of leaders in a lot of different functions. So I feel very comfortable coaching leaders. And in fact, realize that a lot of the problems that they faced, I faced in my positions, even though I wasn't an executive and didn't have those titles. So you don't have to have a specific experience. However, you do need to know where your area of expertise and experience is and start there so that you can leverage it. We're going to take a short break, come back and talk about a few more myths that might be keeping you from launching your entrepreneurial journey. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career you can have the foresight skills and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities a strategic advantage and career expert marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused get found and get hired Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at astrategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we've been talking about entrepreneurship starting a side hustle, whatever it might look like that's cropping up in your mind, or maybe you're already in business, but you're thinking about how can you be more successful. And one of these myths that people talk about is running around on your mind. So we talked about 
there's not one type you'll have to sacrifice and not necessarily take big risks, but, but know that you're going to have to, to do some work. And then we were talking about how success is knowing what to say no to. Yes, and because that gives you the freedom to say yes to things, not because it's all about saying no. And it's okay if you don't know what to say no to yet. In fact, some of the best things happen because we say yes. Sometimes we say yes, even when we aren't sure we should. But if we've got some kind of focus and we know where we're going, even though we might have some anxiety about it, something in our mind says, this is it. And there we go. This happened to me. So I was running a resume writing and coaching business and fairly successful, doing well, loved what I did and made good enough money. Wasn't really trying that hard at the money side of it yet. Um, I had just started and got the opportunity to purchase these training businesses. And part of the reason that I wasn't super focused on coaching and resume writing was because I was dabbling in training. I'd created some training for workforce centers and universities and was trying to sell that, trying to get, you know, into organizations to train their staff and um, got a call to purchase training businesses. And it was a risk, right? This, this was a step out. This was a risk. And there's no way to know, is it the right thing to do? Is it better to buy a business or better to build it on your own? Well, I'd had enough experience to know that breaking into some of the markets I was trying to break into wasn't that easy. Workforce centers, military organizations, they have their training vendors, they know who they use. And this business already had some of those customer relationships. They had a, an audience, they had some training set up that I could deliver, but I could also tweak and improve and make my own, which is where some of my strengths are. And so... I said, yes. And every time I look at a pivot in my world, it's because of a yes, not a no. Think about what you do want to say no to. Think about it in that, in that possibilities realm of opening the door for something that fits better to come along. In that same vein, people say, you know, oh, you have to have X experience to be able to do that. When I first started consulting and wanted to coach and wanted to go into companies and do trainings, someone told me, oh, you've got to start in HR. To be a trainer, you have to start in HR. Well, I could look at the HR positions and the strengths that it took to do that and be good in HR and know that that just was not going to be good for me. I can be detail-oriented, but it's a burnout skill for me. I'm not real great at following rules, so enforcing them for people probably would not be a good fit for me. And I thought, okay, there's got to be a different way to do this. Went and talked to a few people who did what I wanted to do. And that's when I landed on this idea of starting with your particular expertise. I started to promote my expertise in strengths-based coaching. And lo and behold, got a contract teaching strengths-based 
coaching and developing some strengths-based tools for uh, a company. And found that niche, found that place of, of being there. And then it expands into other realms, doing some leadership coaching, moving my area of expertise forward based on the experience that I was getting. People will also say, you have to have training in X. Of course, I run a training business, so I'm passionate about training. I think that learning is important for all of us. And personally, when I charge money for things, I like to know that I'm doing the best and am the most up-to-date that I can be. Sure, you can get that from reading, but I fell in love right away with the training that I deliver the first time that I took it because it was so in-depth and differentiating, and I knew right away that I was going to be good. I was going to be better than most people delivering what I was delivering because I'd taken that training. However, lots of people start in all different types of businesses without formal training in it because they're leveraging their experience or perhaps they're leveraging their a team, not doing it themselves. So they're just selling it. And then the person who is trained or experienced is doing it. There's a lot of different ways that you can get engaged in something without the training and then figure out what training you do want to take to differentiate yourself or what other ways you're going to differentiate yourself in the marketplace and make sure that you have the skills that you need and keep the skills that you need to deliver the best product that you can. If you're delivering a good product and your customers are getting what they need and you get repeat business, that's where you start. And then you may need to tweak it to get to that next level, get to that next space that you want to enter do whatever it is that you want to to do at the next step. So I went and got training in presenting and speaking because that was the next step for me. And along the way, now I kind of get paid to get trained because I pay people to come in and train and then I get to sit in and listen. So it's, it's the best of both worlds for me because I'm kind of a... Uh, learning junkie, I guess, and for lack of a better term. Do you have to have that training? That depends on the industry. Some industries, yes, absolutely. You have to have that training. You have to have that certificate. Other industries, maybe not right away. It's something that you work towards. Coaching, for instance, if you're going to coach, needs some experience, needs some baseline training. Do you need to go off and get your, you know, master? coach certification? No, not right away. That's something that you build to. That's how the International Coach Federation has it set up. You can start, take what you need and work it along the way. One of the other myths that I hear, and this is about working at home in general, working a side gig, whatever it might be, is that it's lonely. And There's definitely parts of that, but there's also the opportunity to build your own team. So oftentimes people say friends are the best family, right? Because they're the ones you got to choose. Your work team, when you work remote or when you run your own business or or you're doing a side hustle, your work team is kind of the same. It's the one you get to choose. 
So I get to choose who I reach out to, to bounce ideas after, off of. Most of them I've met at professional conferences. I get to choose who I reach out to when I have a question. Um, I choose my own board for my company. I chose my CPA. And in fact, the first one I chose, I fired, right? Because she put my business in my husband's name and then couldn't understand why that was a big deal to me. So you get to choose. And you want to choose. You do choose. Otherwise, you will be lonely. If you're going to work from home, maybe it's a different personality type, or maybe you just have things set up to where you're getting that uh, interaction in a different way. I had Rotary, so I'd go to Rotary at least once a week and meet people, and then I'd be able to go to lunch with people from Rotary, kind of create my own water cooler, if you will. Some people go to workspaces. This is another area that you have to experiment and figure out what works for you. Working at a Starbucks is my worst nightmare. (laughs) And then my colleague, Kyle, that's what he writes his everything about his working at Starbucks, caffeinated career coach. So it really depends on what's going to fit for you. What's your personality? What are your other passions or interests? where you can put those things together and make your own workplace relationships. They're just not in a workplace. They're at Rotary. They're at the coffee shop. They're at your WeWork space or whatever kind of working space you might want to go to. And you put the pieces together. You do have to create some kinds of structures for yourself, either professional associations or maybe social media, colleague groups, something where you can build those relationships so that you're not lonely. But working by yourself definitely doesn't have to be lonely. And to be successful, you will want a a team, even if you're not managing them. A CPA, a business lawyer, a business banker, I didn't really understand that until I got a good one and they said, oh, I think you filled out this form wrong. I filled out some business registration form wrong and the business banker of all people noticed that and had had me fill it out right. Um, maybe a bookkeeper, depending on how much business you have, perhaps a virtual assistant. I have three or four. They can help you do all types of things that you may not want to do or need to do yourself. So you can have a team. You just build them yourself. But it definitely doesn't have to be lonely. You just have to more actively create that workplace feel and that water cooler for yourself. We're going to take a short break, come back and tie this up with a bow for you. Thinking about if you're going to launch out on your own, what do you need to, to do? Where do you start? And how do you make sure that you're your own kind of successful? We'll be right back in just a few minutes. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. 
You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Simonoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at astrategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we've been talking about how you can be successful as an entrepreneur and maybe not take some of the advice that you see out there. And of course, this is my style. This is my take. This is one of the things that if you would have asked my teachers when I was young, if I would have been a successful entrepreneur, they would have told you no. I'm almost bet that they would have told you no. And here's why. I was kind of quiet. Um, I remember getting up in speech class. I think it was my senior year of high school even. And I could not even string together a sentence. I, my face turned so red. I, I was so nervous. There's just no way. I would, want, I would just love to see my speech teacher's face. I, I know she still lives in my hometown. And I would love to see her face if she could find out. And she probably does know that I make a living speaking professionally. It just, it, yeah. What happened was that people around me saw this quality of me (laughs) that I am not good with authority. Um, I like to do things my own way. I don't like anybody else being in charge of me. And of course they saw that as a negative because I was a kid and I was supposed to do what teachers and other people told me that I should do. When I learned that that was not a negative I had to figure out how to manage it and not get myself in trouble and not be rude and disrespectful and those types of things, which I'm sure I was at times. 
But if I embrace that and use it and my style, my learning style of questioning everything, of having to make something my own, kind of pick it apart to learn it. It's a very frustrating learning style for the teacher, right? Because they always felt like I was questioning them. And it's made me good at what I do now. It's made me good at seeing trends, evolving and constantly improving training. That's who I am. And if you want to be a successful entrepreneur, embrace you. Figure out what that is. Take those personality assessments. Take those strengths assessments. Not because they can tell you what you'll be good at, because they tell you what you all already good at. And then you get to figure out how to take that and transition it into being a successful entrepreneur. That's your task. Maybe you can work with a coach to help you figure that out, right? I've had several excellent mentors and business coaches along the way, um, people in all different capacities that have helped me figure out when to do things and if I should do things. My CPA sat with me for probably an hour or more figuring out how to decide if paying enough, if I should pay this amount of money for the businesses that I bought. Excellent. People, you know, that you just don't know. You build those relationships and then you move on. And they help you and you help them and, you know, becomes great, a great relationship. But to start that, you have to know you and not be afraid to be you because that's going to be critical to your success in business, especially in small business. Your business is you. And if you aren't confident and able to embrace who you are and do it your way, it's going to be challenging for people to want to follow you, to want to embrace you, to want to engage with you. So embrace you. Work hard and love it. There's that saying that if you love what you do, you'll never work a day of your life free. (laughs) You will still work and you will still feel like you're working. However, you'll love it and you'll know that it's worth it. And you'll still get tired. You'll still get burned out. And then you'll know it's time to take a break or there's something that's not quite working and I need to shift it. You'll still feel like you're working, I promise. And... Hopefully you have the same experience that I have had where I loved it. And I see that in Jay who owns all the the Domino's dynasty that he loves it. You can see it in what he, in how he talks and what he does. It doesn't have to be anything specific if it lights that passion in you. Do it your way. Don't worry about the people that tell you you have to do it a certain way. Get the expertise that you need. Get that coffee filter out, right? Wear that coffee filter on your chest for for a year, maybe even more, that when people give you advice, you get to decide how to filter that, what advice makes sense for you, how it's going to work for you, and then evaluate it. Try things out. Evaluate them. See if they work. Have an open mind and definitely always being open to maybe this isn't working and how am I going to shift it? Recognize that fear can be, can mean 
that you're on the verge of something. And if you always walk away from it, that anxiety, that, oh, I'm not sure if this is the right thing to do. If you always walk away from that, you may never get bigger, grow, step into what you really want. That feeling of, oh, should I invest in this? Or, oh, should I do that? My time, my money, do something different, whatever it might be, where you feel that little, oh, I'm not sure. That may be the moment. And if you pass on all of those moments, you may end up in the status quo where you just don't really feel like you're where you wanted to be, where you're living paid paycheck to paycheck or whatever it might be, where you're just not quite where you want to be. You want to know the risks. You want to evaluate them. You want to have some analyticalness to that decision and that intuitive piece of there's a little bit of hesitation here. There's a little bit of fear. And does that mean I'm on the verge of the next great thing for me? And then build your own team. Build your own fan base. Build your own Build your own world. Don't be in your own world. Don't live in a vacuum. But build a, a group of people who care about you, who cheer for you, and let go of the naysayers. Take what you need from them. Take the advice. Take what's going to help you. And then move on. And build a group of people who would love to see you succeed. Because those people who don't want you to succeed or who are always getting down on you, they're not helping you. And you're not helping them by being around them either. Minimize them in your life. One of the best things that I've gotten to do in running my organization is manage my board and experience those people who come on the board that are really helpful. And then it starts to just not work for whatever reason. I'm sure part of it's me, right? Because my personality, I'm not always taking advice the best way. And part of it's it's just not a good fit anymore. And that's okay. They grow on to bigger and better things. And I keep a group of people around me who can really support me. You'll be careful to not have a bunch of yes men and women, right? You still need to have people that can question us and challenge us, but do it in a way that works for us and edifies us and, and encourages us and not in a way that tears us down. As an entrepreneur, one of the other things I'm reading a lot of articles about right now is entrepreneurs and depression, entrepreneurs and anxiety. Those are real things. And the last thing you need is a bunch of people around you who feed that instead of helping you manage it. Find those people that can be your supports, that question you in a way that works for you, that uh, challenge you to be better and not challenge you in a way that tears you down. That's your bonus as an entrepreneur is getting to build that team and put those people around you who really are your not your cheerleaders, right? Um, your cheerleaders at times, but but really those people that are there for you, your foundation, your your support. 
If you have any other questions or thoughts on entrepreneurship, I'd love to hear them. You're always welcome to reach out with me to me at Marie, M-A-R-I-E, at careerthoughtleaders.com. And we'll be right back here again next week on The Career Confidant with another guest and a great topic for you. I look forward to seeing you next week on The Career Confidant. Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then.